Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's Sarah. This is Cog Dog Radio. And this is the final installment of the Danny story. So if you haven't listened to Danny parts one and two about the reluctant Sheltie, I encourage you to do that before you listen to this. Uh, this is the final installment. And if you've listened to any of the previous case study stories that I've done on the show before, you know that in the final installment, I have a conversation with the dog's owner and trainer. And so we have Graham on the phone and we're going to get started. Hey, Graham, how are you today? Good, how are you? (laughs) I'm doing great. So I'm just going to run down um, a few questions and feel free to add anything else that you would like. Um, Go ahead and start, start by telling us a bit about why you reached out to me regarding Danny in the first place. So I'd been I'd been in classes with Danny since she was about nine weeks old. Um, as you mentioned, all positive reinforcement classes, but mostly luring um, to get behaviors, uh, obedience, some agility. Uh, I think you mentioned we did a tribal class. That was a big disaster. Uh, <laughs> I think I, I don't think I mentioned that, so, but that, I forgot <laughs> about that. It wasn't good. Uh, <laughs> I can see neither and, uh, you nor Danny doing flyball. <laughs> no, she was like, these are not sheep. Why are you trying to pretend that this is a sheep? <laughs> um, anyway, so, um, and then through a mutual friend um, of ours, I was put in contact with you because we were having trouble with um, Danny participating with classes. And um, <laughs> she, she gave up very and that was probably the biggest thing. At the time, I didn't realize what exactly that meant. Um, but the, to me, in my head, the part was how quickly she gave up. Okay, and can you just give me a little example of what giving up looked like for her? Yeah, so um, often, so I was at the time, and I, I don't know if this is the tangent, but we want to get off on, but um, at the time with training with Danny, there was uh, no reward markers involved, um, Mm -hmm. which for Danny is absolutely unacceptable. So say we've XYZ, we're doing a stay in a CGC class, and she got up and walked towards me, and I would cheerfully say oops or no or something stupid, and then go put her back. Then at that point, she'd be like, that's fine, we're instead going to be done and go home. <laughs> so to clarify uh, and, for and anybody, things happened in agility. Like if I tried to get her to do another repetition, because inevitably I made a mistake, um, she would say, "No, that was your mistake. We're done." And now I'm walking back over to the leash and sitting here. So if you had used um, a no reward marker, which for you guys listening, that's basically something dog trainers sometimes do to tell the dog they've made an error and that they won't be getting reinforcement. Um, Danny would opt out, walk away, say we're not doing this anymore. And then if you made a handling error in agility class and you wanted to try something over again, she would do the same thing. Right. So... Talk about Danny. I think we we did just talk about the way that Danny was um, when we first started talking about her. But talk a little bit about how she was at home also. All right. Um, 
So if at any practice that was happening at home, it was very slow all the time with Danny. Um, there wasn't a ton of engagement. She liked training, but she was cautious of training. Um, and then as far as just kind of in Danny's life, Danny was, she's very worried. So anything that's out of place, any people, any other dogs that would be, you know, not where they should be in her mind cause problems for Danny. So she, you know, she, there's a gate that's up to separate back where the cats are when people aren't home so that the cats don't get eaten because there is a terrier that lives at my house. Um, <laughs> and he eats animals. So does Danny. We can get to that. Um, so. <laughs> But um, if, say, if, so she would guard that gate. That was, like, her gate to guard her area. That was, she was in charge of that. If one of the other dogs walked over by it, that's not where they were supposed to be. She'd snark at them. She'd look at me, go fix this, make that terrier get out of my way. Um, so in general, but she's also, I mean, any sound, any creaking in buildings, whether it be in the house or in a training facility, creaking was not acceptable to her. She doesn't like when um, anything that's out of the ordinary would bother her. And she doesn't, not only in training like we talked about, but in life too, Dan doesn't like second chances. So that then, if there's a creek in a building that she hasn't been to before, great, we never can go back in that building now. Yeah, so a lot of like one trial learning going on. If something bad happened once, then whatever the scenario was, it was over. You were not going to convince her to try again. Right. And that could be as minor as, I think you dropped a clicker on her once. I just dropped a clicker on her <laughs> And <once>. that, was, <laughs> that was a problem was, for a while. <laughs> it was a problem. We couldn't revisit cones for like four months. Yeah, because um, you were training a cone wrap when you dropped the clicker and the cone became poisoned, essentially. Um, yeah. from there forward for a while. Yeah. So we're talking and, about a know, dog. I, there was, go ahead. It, well, and it, that same thing, you know, where the, the training facility that Danny was going to did eventually become a place that we couldn't return to. So then we had been going to your field and after so long and with good, the good associations with you, we tried going back to the training facility when it became bad weather out. And it was going okay, and then suddenly, literally somebody was working on the roof and took, like, a step. And it wasn't even that loud, but then that was the end of that. But, it, yeah, it was, it was all over once again. It yeah. was like we had built her trust back up, but it just took that one time. And it's pretty impossible to shield a dog from everything that will happen in the world. Because we're not talking... Right major major stuff here we're talking you dropped a clicker a person walked on the roof um human normal things that happen in our world would make her just not able to function so talk a little bit about training danny now and what that's like now i mean she is i can't keep up with her all the time anymore um i mean she has you know, the compound of all of the things that we did over the last two plus years, her shaping now is so quick. Um, I mean, she can solve, I mean, she picks up on pretty tough stuff pretty quickly. 
faster than I would expect her to and faster than I could teach my younger dog who doesn't have these issues. Right. Um, the most interesting thing recently that you and I were talking about is the behaviors that stress her out now are the ones that she learned through luring. Yes. And she doesn't lure well now. But then, I mean, and it's, and it's, that's the simple stuff because that's what we started with early on. So things like a verbal down, a verbal sit, those are the things that we've had to be really tricky and clever with to try to get built back as opposed to a dumbbell retrieve, which she does full gusto and has no issues with me withholding a quick for. Right, which is, you know, it's kind of amazing. I think so often when people have a kind of reluctant dog, um, they jump to luring because it's the fastest way for you to see some action, some motion out of the dog is a lure. And in reality, all you're doing is really just further driving home that point that the dog doesn't have any input here um, and that all they're to do is follow the lure. And you really have no problem with lure-based training that's done correctly. I do find that with dogs that have a personality like Danny's, it can get you into trouble really quickly to not always let them make the first move, which is more of a shaping, capturing type of training versus luring. In luring, the trainer is always making the first move, not the dog. Um, And so it is interesting to me that even still... If you try to lure her, like, say, into a position so that you can start something else, um, another repetition or something, she definitely, she balks, she looks at the food, she looks at you, and she's kind of like, wait a minute. I don't, I don't think, I don't think we do this anymore. Um, And so we've had to be clever there, too, and just get rid of all luring. Because for me, it's not worth it to try to undo her associations with it. Um, and so like things with sits and downs, we've just gone back to like capturing them and then trying to put a, um, a label, a verbal cue on them. So that is really interesting. And the fact that she's quicker and sharper and just a super fast learner versus your young puppy who has had basically everything handed to him from day one. Right. (laughs) Every, everything, you know, he's benefited from everything Danny has taught you. So we would think that he would be, you know, ahead of her, but she, she's just an incredible dog and teaching her new things is like your favorite now. Oh yeah. I mean, it's way easier to teach something to her than him. So, and that's so funny. And, but talk a little, (laughs) well, yeah. Um, I think people will be wondering though, about whether or not she can train, out in the world or what her experiences are out in the world now. So talk about that a okay. little bit. So we haven't done much in buildings. Um, I'm, I'm working very slowly towards that. And if it doesn't happen, I honestly don't care. Um, my goals have changed so much with Danny over the last few years that, but you know, we've started a few different things um, with her training plans in addition to just tons of shaping projects and the constant um, kind of very subtle shaping towards building her back into that. We've been doing tracking. Um, 
Less so because it's 100 degrees outside every day. Yes. Um, but we're doing it more in the spring, and we'll pick it back up in the fall. And that kind of, she's been able to do that away from the house because she's in an open space. She's on a long line and a harness. Um, there's not people crowding her. She's on her own. Um, and she's really into it. I mean, the gusto, I mean, she pulls me over to it when we put on her tracking harness. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's fun. Um, and then we're, you know, um, I also started working through some of the team stuff through uh, the Fendi team titles. And those are going to be, she does have to go to other locations for those. And I've tried some very simple stuff. Like the dumbbell is like my new test I've decided. She really, really loves the dumbbell retrieve. So I went, when I was at a park a couple of weeks ago, I bought the dumbbell with in addition to just some treats and walking. And we tossed the dumbbell. She was able to retrieve it. As long as we were far enough away from stuff, there was um, some children doing a ball game of some sort on the other end. <laughs> and that was a little too much when she got close to that. But um, so it, it's coming. Um, we've done some stuff even at the training facility, but not inside behind it. She was able to do some work, but I haven't tried to get her to go into a building anytime, probably in about a year. Yeah, and I think that our fear with that is that, again, inevitably, buildings make noises. Yeah. Um, and so I think, and as well as, you know, where your goals are with Danny, it's one of those things that's kind of on the back burner because you don't need it necessarily. Um, right you can pretty much do everything that you're doing with her outside. And the fact that she's able to, I mean, do a dumbbell retrieve at a park to me says, I mean, there are so many dogs that can't do that, that don't have her problems. Um, right. It, that to me says that her comfort level is so much closer to where we've been trying to get it. Um, mm -hmm. That, you know, that makes me pretty happy. So, you changed basically everything um, about what you were doing. <laughs> um, what was the what was the hardest change for you to make? Not helping her, um, and not as in the like I'm leaving her just to die. I, I mean, not like that. Like right during a shaving project or a puzzle, it's Got it's it. hard for me to watch her struggle even and I, I mean certainly then it probably landed on me because we didn't make it quite easy enough for her but yeah and it's exactly like you said before with a reluctant dog you want to go to luring because I can see that she's struggling a little bit and having to change and not lure not help not move stuff around on her puzzle for her that was really hard for me um I think that's and it hard. Still is. I still move and talk all the time. I, you're constantly telling me your hands are moving. I was like, I don't, I don't think they were. And then you're like, go watch the video again. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that comes back to positive reinforcement. It's positively reinforcing for the human to intervene because mm -hmm. we've seen the results happen. As well as you have a, you have a history of punishment when she quits and shuts down and walks away. That's punishing to you. And so you've developed all of these behaviors to try to avoid that punishment. Luring, prompting with your hands, prompting with your feet. Like these are all things that humans learn to do 
to avoid the punishment of the dog quitting on them. But they don't always realize, number one, don't always realize that you're doing it, right? And then number two, um, they don't always realize that it's actually detrimental. It's actually digging you deeper into that hole because, again, every time you do that, you are taking the ball out of the dog's court. So, again, you just want to be uh, setting up your antecedent arrangements so setting up your learning scenario so that the dog has a high success rate from the get-go which was another thing that we worked really really hard on um, just improving your shaping skills improving your ability to set the scene for the right behavior to occur um and through all of that you've felt let i hope less and less need to help her because she it's kind of this double-edged sword. Like, you learn to be a better trainer, a better shaper. And through that, she learns to be a more willing, more active participant. Both of these things are happening simultaneously. And because of both of these things, you don't have to help her anymore. You don't feel compelled to help her anymore. Now you say when she's struggling, you are aware of the fact that you need to fix something then. Right? You're aware of the fact that you need to stop the training and fix whatever the problem is, as opposed to, you know, get in and prompt and or get out right. the door or whatever. Yep. Um. So if you, I think there's a lot of people in, interested in Danny's story. A lot of people have listened um, to these podcasts and have been really excited that I'm finally talking about a dog like her because she's so different. <laughs> she's so different from the other dogs that I've talked about. Not so different from Kevin, but Kevin's anxiety um, issues, I think, were actually more affecting his overall quality of life than hers. So I think that's where I focused. But, you know, people are excited that I'm talking about a dog like her because a lot of people have dogs like her. So if you could tell the owners of these reluctant dogs something, what would that be? Okay, it's going to a little bit step on the toes of something you said in one of your live videos recently, but I was already (laughs) planning on saying it, so you actually stepped on my toes. All right. Um, So, you know, when you get a dog like Danny, um, first off, don't, I mean, I spent many, many, many days blaming myself, so everybody learns, everybody grows through a different route with their dogs, so remember that. Um, Because that was hard for me to get over, knowing that some of her problems I inflicted on her. But use that dog and be very thankful for that dog because of all of the knowledge and skills that you then will gain. You know, I would never be where I am in dog training now if it weren't for Danny. If Danny was a quote-unquote normal dog, I'd be competing in dog sports with some level of success and not necessarily knowing what I was doing or why. But then I had this dog, Danny, who said, no, you're going to have to get better. And so then I started working with you. I started going to seminars. I started going to Clicker Expo, took tons more classes, read a lot more. So it it made me get better because I had to. And that's what these kind of dogs can do for you is they can make you get better. And... Maybe that's why you have that dog. Like I said, my goals with Danny have changed because I don't need to necessarily compete with Danny. I'm constantly looking for things to do with her because 
she's a busy, smart dog that needs a lot of training. But her goals are no longer necessarily competition-bound. I still like competition. I'm a competitive person. But what she did was prepare me for my next dog. Definitely. So what? where were you toe-stepping? <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> you said, you know, when you have a dog like this and you have to gain the proper skills, the proper training, then that will help you with your next dog. Oh, so it was like the first sentence so yes. and then my last sentence. Absol- <laughs> absolutely. I think you're right. Yes, I understand. And it's, I feel that way so strongly that if we you know, kind of get a dog with an interest in being good at something or knowing more about something, we we will learn. <laughs> and sometimes the way that we have right. to learn, I just feel like, you know, some people learn, you know, through sweat, blood, and tears, and other people can read a book. So <laughs> I think that um, you got the sweat, blood, and tears aspect of it in Danny, and so have I with my dogs. And um, I think that I, I love that piece of advice to be grateful for that dog, as opposed to I think so many people yep. feel, feel burdened by the dog. Right. Um, switching that over and to gratitude. I had gratitude. a ton of people say things like, why do you keep trying? And to me, that I mean, that was never an option to stop trying. But it was like you just said, I'm so grateful for her because now with my next dog, things are going better and things are better with Danny now too. If I had just given up, then who knows where I'd be with my next dog and then also who knows where I'd be with Danny. Right. What kind of relationship would you have with her? Whereas she is, you know, don't tell Ty, the puppy, but I know she's your favorite. So... <laughs> <laughs> Um, Ty is impossible to live with. It's pretty obvious to everybody that she's my favorite. (laughs) He's feral. Um, So I do think that switching it over to gratitude and understanding, yeah, like whether you compete or not, it's worth building a relationship with the dog that you have because you live with that dog. And if you're going to choose to give up, and sometimes people do this, and that's fine. If that's what, you know, they feel like they've got to do, that's okay. But I honestly, you should rehome the dog if you're going to give up, right? If you're not going to actually keep working, then the dog should get to go live on someone's couch, right? Um, And people do that, and I think they get a lot of judgment. I'd rather people rehome the dog than have it, you know, be an ornament in their house that they feel burdened by, right? Nobody deserves that. So um, is there anything else you'd like to add, Graham? I don't think so. You know, I think we covered all of it. I think I think we have. Um, all right. So thank you so much for hanging out with me, talking to me on the podcast today. You guys, if you have questions about... Danny's story, you can shoot me an email at cogdogradio at gmail.com. And I hope you listen next time. And also be sure to check out my new course on Fenzy Dog Sports Academy, which could be called What We Did with Danny 101, but it's not. It's called Hidden Potential. And I think it's a really great course. Registration is still open. Um, the working spots, the gold and silver level spots are full, but bronze, which is an auditing spot, is 
unlimited and you can sign up for another couple of weeks. Class starts on August 1st. Thanks for listening.